Come on, they told me this was the crazy service. Where are you guys at? You guys awake? How many of you love Jesus in this place? It's a Jesus-loving church right here. It's exciting to be alive. Man, you got your Bibles with you? Get your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, you need one, we'll get you one. I suggest you go get yourself one. Find the color you like, the leather you like, put your name on it, get a highlighter and a special pen and make it yours, right? It's important, but if you need help getting one, we'll make sure that you get one. Um, we're going to be in the book of Acts again. Surprise, surprise. Week 200. We're, we're getting there, guys. I was talking with uh, one of our staff members earlier. He's like, we've been in here a while. And I said, yeah, we'll be here a while too until the Lord says, don't be done with it or move on or whatever. But it's been a great journey. So turn over to the book of Acts in chapter 21. We'll get there in just a second. While you're turning there, I'll tell you just a couple of things. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Rich. I'm the lead pastor here at LifePoint. It's an incredible privilege to be able to serve in this community. It's a special place, right? I know some of you are just dying to get out of South Florida. I can't wait to get to Tennessee or wherever you're going. You, I, I've joked about that before. I don't know why so many people want to go to Tennessee. I was born in Tennessee. I mean, it's a pretty cool place, right? But we actually live where people vacation. Don't forget that, right? People fly down here to go to vacation. That's where you live. And... Uh, as I always like to joke around this time of year, it's mango season, so hallelujah to that, right? How many of you have been eating mangoes out there? If you haven't, you don't have any friends in South Florida. But somebody's got some mangoes, right? It's good. And uh, Hey, high school campus coming up. You saw that up there. High schoolers, get signed up. Middle schoolers, we've got something else planned for you later on. Pastor Mike's going to break that down for you. But get registered. You guys are the worst registering people in the history of the world, right? You're like... When's the deadline? Don't ask when the deadline is. Go register today. Today's the deadline. No, I'm just joking. Um, but it will, it will be soon, so get there. And, um, man, incredible. I'm so excited about today. One of my favorite days is baptism day. And, uh, all right, man, I think we got about 40 people. Would you guys all stand up? Come on, let's stand up. Look at this. Come on, let's give it up for Jesus. Baptizing 40 people, it's going to be amazing. God bless you guys. I'm excited about this. And uh, I've been telling family members, some of them I'm going to hold till they bubble. We're going to make sure that it takes and uh, works real well. No, uh, if you don't know what baptism is, uh, theologians like to say it's an outward expression of an inward grace. Now, people should see the change in your life, the change in your attitude and your behavior and your fruit should be getting better, Right. But they can't always see, like when you're driving down the road or just in your office cubicle, like what's happened inside. So it's a good way to declare what God has done. You had a grace inside. The salvific work of the blood of Jesus, right, has, has done its work in your life. Now I'm going to proclaim to the world. I'm going to let everybody know what's happened in my life. And, and it's a great day. So I want to invite all of you to hang out with us. I know it gets crowded. I know it gets hot. So we're going to have some awnings on there, and the fans will be out there, and we're just going to dunk these guys one by one. And we're going to put them actually underwater, because that's the Greek word that actually says to put them underwater. And it's a symbol of them raising the dead to their sins and raised again to new life in Jesus Christ. And it's absolutely beautiful. Can't wait. Can't wait for that. So we've been in this series, long, long series that we've been in, and, and uh, you know, we saw the uh, picture of the church coming together in Acts chapter 2, and all the way journeyed, and then we made this shift when this guy shows up on the scene named Saul, and Saul's causing some problems, and Jesus comes to Saul, changes his life, and 
puts him on a path, a different path, just like many of you. Your path was changed when you met Jesus, praise God. And I, and I love that. And we, so we've seen Paul, and we watched him develop in his relationship with Christ, in his leadership. He was already a strong leader, um, well-spoken, multilingual, uh, a, a scholar, right? Uh, dual citizenship, all kinds of amazing you know, acclaim and, and plaudits that, that people would give him. But more than that, he was just the disciple of the Lord, and he was committed to the purpose of God in his life. And so when we look at chapter 21 today, what we're going to see is that Paul's coming to the end of his third missionary journey. He's been on mission, and uh, somewhere around, you know, A.D. 58. And now we know that Paul is on his way, as we said last week. He's on his way to Jerusalem. He has, he's just got a real drive to get to Jerusalem, probably for the Feast of Pentecost. And this would have been about the, the 28th year of the baptism of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost, right? And, and we see that. So maybe he just wanted to get there for that anniversary around this Feast of Pentecost. And it was special. And one of the things that I really want us to grab today as I break this down, is that we can be stable in our understanding and pursuit of the Lord. We can be stable in a very, very shaky world. We can be concrete and anxiety-free and in an anxiety-ridden world, right? In, in a world that's chaotic, you don't have to be chaotic. And, and, and just because you do the will of God does not mean your life will be perfect. Somebody said, that's not the promise. The promise is, I will be with you. You've heard me say it many, many times. Um, if tomorrow's the best day of your life, he's going to be with you. If tomorrow's the worst day of your life, he's going to be with you. That is the promise. So I want us to understand a couple of things. I want us to go after the will of God. In order to go after the will of God, you have to know the will of God. In order to know the will of God, you've got to desire the will of God. And when you do that, he will, I believe, show you. And sometimes we're too busy looking at 10 years down the line or five years down the line. I don't know about you. I need help today. Anybody just need help today? I need help today, right? And if there's help for today, that means there's help for tomorrow, right? And uh, it, it's beautiful when we live it out this way. So Acts chapter 21, he's just left the Ephesian elders. He's, he's called them in chapter 20. They've surrounded him. They prayed together. They cried. They're probably not, most of them won't see his face again. And now he's leaving and he's going to Jerusalem. He's on his way. Chapter 21, verse 1, it says, when we had parted, Luke is writing here, so you, you see he's on the scene here because the, the pronoun we is there, so he's writing as he is part of it. When we had parted from them and set sail, we came by a straight course to Kos, and the next day Rhodes, and from there Patera. Again, each one of these places is probably about a, a journey of about a day by sea. It says in 2, having found a ship crossing to Phoenicia, we went aboard and set sail. So he's, he's probably jumping onto a larger ship here, and here's why. We'll know this in just a second as you, as you study. He jumps onto a larger boat, and in verse 3 it says, When he had come to the side of Cyprus, leaving it on the left, we sailed to Syria and led it entire, for the ship was to unload its cargo. So this larger ship would have had quite a bit of cargo. It would have taken several days to unload the cargo, and we can see that in verse 4. It says, Having sought out the disciples, we stayed there for seven days. One week he was there ministering, and through... The Spirit, they were telling Paul not to go on to Jerusalem. Now, it calls these guys disciples, and it says through the Spirit, they were telling Paul not to go to Jerusalem. Now, if you were jump back to last week, Paul says that he was constrained or compelled by the Spirit, or one other word maybe is bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. 
So why is it that these guys who are also disciples, people who are full of the Spirit, are now telling him not to go? And you listen to people who don't understand the Word of God, and they certainly don't understand God himself, and they like to say things like the Bible contradicts itself. That's because they don't study it, and they don't listen. It doesn't contradict itself. It's just some different things that it's saying here. Now, here's what I want to break down for you. doesn't mean these guys heard something different than Paul heard. I think it means they loved him very much. And I'll, here's how I'll explain it. How many of you prayed for your, don't raise your hand just yet. How many of you prayed for your families or your friends, right, that God would really test them this week? <laughs> God, would you just put them through the ringer? I want to see if they really love you. Give them a flat tire, a toothache, a leaky roof, and get them stuck in traffic. How many of you prayed that? Nobody prayed that for your friends this week. We don't pray that kind of prayer for our friends and family. We pray like, God, would you give them peace? Would you make their lives easy? Right? Just make, make their pathway straight. Right? God, show them, surround them. Give them a hedge of protection. Right? Like a hedge of protection. I remember them praying that over me as a kid. I'm like, we just get a hedge? That's all we get? <laughs> like, can I get the armies of the Lord around me? It's a battle out there, right? But no, you get a hedge of protection. Take care of them. Move around them with the saints and the angels. And yes, it's, 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 it's important to understand this. Maybe that they heard and they understood what Paul said in chapter 20, that I don't know what waits me except for what the Spirit has revealed to me, that prison and trials... Prison and trials. Anybody want prison and trials for your loved ones? No. We don't want that for them. Again, we want the, the good things, the goodness of, of God, which is chasing them and following us all the days of our lives. So they're not contradicting themselves. And Paul certainly wasn't wrong. He says later on, I can say with good conscience that I have followed the Lord. But this through the spirit words means that, hey, they saw what he saw. They saw what he saw. And for the people that I love dearly, I don't necessarily want them to suffer, but I do want them to be in the will of God. And whatever the will of God is, God will be enough for them in that moment, whether it's prison or, again, the worst day of your life or the best day of your life. God is always going to be there. They were concerned for his safety. They tried to get him off so they could keep him. And it's a little bit selfish in nature, which we're like that sometimes. It's hard. I've told you before, South Florida is a very transient area. It's hard to see people go. But if we believe that the Lord is sending, I, I believe that we are partially a sending church, that we, we train up some people, sometimes military, sometimes others. We train them up, we disciple them, and then we let them go. It's hard. It's hard to say goodbye to friends. And even in a world where we can stay connected on social media and through email, it's still hard. Verse 5 says, when our days there were ended, we departed and went on a journey, and they all, with wives and children, accompanied us until we were outside of the city, and kneeling down on the beach, we prayed. After seven days, this is the first time to, to Tyre, first time meeting the, the disciples and the saints there at Tyre, and you know what happens in seven days of fasting and praying and reading and studying and worshiping and breaking bread together? You know what happens? You unite. You get close. You start doing something different. How many have been on a mission trip before? Right? A few of you. Um, how many of you travel with people from work before or something? Here, what, what happens is you're forced to get past the, the basic conversation. You know what basic church conversation is like? Hey, brother, how are you? I'm blessed, man. How are you? Oh, I'm blessed by the best. 
too blessed to be stressed. He's taking care of the rest. You know what I mean? It's like, we got all the, all the sayings, all that. It's like, okay, like, what's really happening in your life? Meanwhile, they're falling apart, but we don't want to let anybody because we got our masks on, right? And like, oh, everything is good. No, it's not. We know that. Not, nothing perfect. God is good. Right? But sometimes life is challenging. We know that. And we know that he is taking care of all these things. But what happens when you go on a mission trip? Now, you've been hanging with people for seven years. Eight years, ten years in church, you don't really know anything about them. And you get to on a mission field, and you're sitting next to them on a plane for three hours. Now you got to really talk, right? And then you go stand someplace, painting a wall that's been painted 450 times on the mission field. Some of you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and then doing, uh, doing work on the mission field, and you're actually, now you're, you're talking with them. And it's, it's got to get past. Hey, so what do, you, what do you do, right? We like to say that in society. What do you do? That means what's your vocation, what's your occupation, how do you make a living, how do you provide for your family, all of those things. And, um, and it's kind of like we wear that as our identity, oh, I'm a lawyer, or oh, I'm a doctor, or I'm a GC, or whatever uh, you do. Um, but we know that we are to be doers of the word, right? Don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. What if we started answering that to people? What do you do? Oh, I do the word. What? <laughs> What are you talking about, right? I'm glad you asked. Would you open your Bible to 2 Peter? Start really getting after him, really mess him up a little bit. And it's good. But what I love about this is that seven days of, of together, of worshiping together, they got united. The Lord knits your hearts together. And some of you experience that on the mission field and in churches and traveling and other places. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. It said in verse 6 that they said farewell to one another. Then they went on board the ship and they returned home. Now, he had just left the Ephesian elders in chapter 20, and now there's another scene where he, he's kneeling, and they're, they're praying, and they're crying on the beach, and all of this, and I don't know if it was as big as the, the moment with the Ephesian elders, but it was meaningful, certainly, and we see that. Verse 7 says, when he had finished the voyage from Tyre, we arrived at Ptolemais, and we greeted, were greeted by brothers and stayed there for one day again, you know, it's about 20 miles, another day's journey. On the next day, we departed and came to Caesarea, and we entered the house of Philip, the evangelist, who was one of the seven and stayed with him. Now, originally, one of the seven who ministered to the widows in Jerusalem, who cared for people, who kind of helped with the poor and helped meet the needs of the community. It's, it's an important role. Philip had given his basically a score of years, somewhere around 20 years he had given to live in the city to minister the gospel. Some of you know people like this. I remember when I first moved to China in 2002, I went over there and I met some people right away and a couple of the guys that, man, I really, I'm not going to mention my name, they're still there, but these guys out, out there sharing the gospel and I looked at them and I thought, man, this is, this is a big, tall British guy, but he was super Chinese. You know what I mean? On the inside, he didn't even cook fish and chips. He didn't even cook any of that. He only cooked Chinese food, and he only spoke Chinese. He just spoke English to me. He spoke Chinese, hung out with Chinese people. He had, he had integrated into society, except he, you know what he was doing there? He was being salt and light in that community. That's what Philip was doing. He was there for 20 years, and now Paul arrives. Well, it says in verse 9 that Philip had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. What is this good news? I, I, I love this, and... You certainly, in the, in the early church and even still, the prophetic gift was um, 
on display, you know, really, really strong. And we see this. But what's interesting to me is there's a lot of people talking about this. And we'll see another guy who shows up on the scene and prophesies in just a minute. But these four young daughters who hear from the Lord very clearly don't say anything about Paul's imprisonment or his suffering. They're just there, and it mentions their gift. And I'm, how many ladies out there are glad that women were being used mightily in the, in the Bible like that, right? Don't ever, don't ever think that you're not worth it and can't be used. Verse 10 says, while we were staying for many days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. And coming to us, he took Paul's belt and bound his own feet and hands and said... What's that? Thus say it, the Holy Spirit is calling right now, right? <laughs> I literally was about to say, thus say it, the Lord, and he rings in. Um, thus says the Holy Spirit. I want to stop right there for a second. This is a big, strong phrase. You've heard me say it many times before. Probably the seven most dangerous words in Christianity are, the Lord told me to tell you. Now, if the Lord told you to tell me or somebody else, tell them. <laughs> Just make sure that it's from the Lord, right? And make sure that it means something. Probably some of you have heard somebody say something like totally general, you know what I mean? The Lord told me to tell you tomorrow is Monday. Okay, thank you very much. <laughs> I'm like, well, that doesn't help me, you know what I mean? <laughs> give, me, give me something good, you know? But thus says the Lord, if you're going to come tell me this, I'm probably going to tell you to send me an email. That's what I'll tell you. You know why? Because it's in there forever, and it, it holds you accountable to thus says the Lord. Now, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to downgrade the Lord speaking. I believe in the prophetic gift. I believe that God gives messages through people, for people sometimes. But if somebody comes to me, I'm very often like, why didn't he say it to me? I mean, I'm listening, right? I got my ears open, I'm praying, I'm seeking the Lord. So you just make sure if you're going to use this phrasing, make sure that you are held accountable and that you have heard from the Lord. This is how the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver them into the hands of the Gentiles. So now Agabus is said, he binds up his, his hands and his feet and he said, this is what's going to happen to whoever owns this belt. We had already told us it was Paul's belt. Sometimes you have people in your life, they love to focus on the bad stuff that's coming your way. You know what I'm talking about? It's like you got to go in for knee surgery, and they're like, ooh, that's rough. Have you seen those videos on YouTube? Do you know how rough they are when you're asleep? They start really mad. They start sending you videos, and you're like, what are you doing? You're not helping me at all, right? I'm leaving on a plane tomorrow. Oh, have you seen that video that just where the plane crashed into the ocean? And like, so I was thinking about Paul this week, and you know, he's already been told by the Spirit. Prison, trials, it's coming your way, right? Now this guy's like, by the way, prison and trials are coming your way. <laughs> like, Thanks, Agabus. I appreciate it, bro. Can you give me some encouragement? Just pray for me or something that, that the Lord will help me. But some people are like that, and they do it. And I guess he was supposed to be telling him this, and he did. 
And uh, Paul knew it, and so it was reinforced that, hey, there's something that waits for you in Jerusalem. He said, when we heard this, Luke again writes, we, when we heard this, we and the people then urged him not to go up to Jerusalem. Oh. I think this is good intentions, bad directions. They loved Paul. He said, Paul, we don't want to see you suffer. In fact, it's a little bit selfish. Like, I don't want to see you go. I want, to, I want, I want you to stay with us. We stay at T. We had such a good time. Don't you just want to stay here? I mean, that's like bad's coming your way over there. You don't need to go over there. Just stay here. And then, again, good intentions, bad directions. But Paul answered them this in 13. What are you doing? What are you doing? Weeping and breaking my heart? Now listen to this statement. For I am ready not only to be imprisoned, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Prison? Okay. Death? Okay. Paul, Paul had something inside of him. He, he had the resolve to stay on the path that the Holy Spirit had directed him. As the Holy Spirit said, you're constrained, verse uh, chapter 20, constrained, compelled, bound to follow the Spirit, leading to Jerusalem. Yeah, I think he had some desire inside of him to go there for, for, again, a reunion or the Feast of Pentecost, but he was also constrained, compelled by the Holy Spirit, moved by the Holy Spirit. And you know what's interesting? Is he is not the only one. He is not the trailblazer for the path to Jerusalem that led to death. There was somebody else who went before him, journeying to Jerusalem, who knew what awaited him in Jerusalem. As he rode into the city, they waved branches and said, Hosanna, Hosanna, save us, right? Save us. His name was Jesus, right? He knew what was coming his way. He knew that. He had prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was like, my father, if there's any way that this cup can pass from me, Maybe you've read that before and you're like, what, what was in the cup? It wasn't, a, it wasn't a physical cup, church. When you think about the cup, what was in the cup? The cup was all your sin and all your sin and all your stuff, past, present, future in the cup. Who's going to take it? Well, there's only one that could. His name was Jesus, and he had blazed that trail to Jerusalem. So Paul was in some pretty good company, and he had displayed here some resoluteness. And certainly a conviction and a depth and a closeness to the Holy Spirit and a leading that would take him to his final trip to Jerusalem and take him there and, and, and whatever comes my way, you, you got it, God. You got it. My life is yours. And I quote this, 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 these two verses all the time, Philippians 1, 20 and 21. Probably, I, I like to call it my life verse. In nothing I will be ashamed, but in everything God will get the glory through my life whether it's by my life or by my death. And nothing I'll be ashamed for me to live as Christ, for me to die as gain. So I'm going to live for Jesus, it's a win. My die for Jesus, it's a win. If I'm in prison for Jesus, it's a win. I get a new job, it's a win. I get a new car, it's a win. I, my car dies, it's a win. Because I'm going to live for Christ, and to die is gain, church. He's, he's, he's setting. He's setting. There's a, there's a concreteness, a, a stability in an unstable world. What 
appears to be a very unstable path to his friends, Paul feels pretty stable on, doesn't he? Because he was a true disciple. He only had one desire. Listen to this. One desire to do the will of God. Single-hearted, single-minded, consecrated, sanctified, purposed, resolute, driven towards the will of God. It's going to cost him something. It's going to cost him. We talked a couple weeks ago about it being easy. Most of us just want easy, if we're honest. Right? We just want to be comfortable. God hasn't promised us comfort. Or he hasn't promised us being comfortable. He's promised us comfort. But you got to have a closeness. you got to have closeness to, to experience the comfort of God. The comfort of the Holy Spirit. He is a comforter. There's a cost for closeness. 1 Peter 2.21 said, Peter wrote this, he said, for, for even here we are called, because Christ also suffered, leaving us an example, you should follow in his steps. Oh. What did Paul write? The, the fellowship of his suffering. Oh. I don't want to suffer. I want easy. Easy life is your best life. No. God's life for you is your best life. Easy is not always best. Listen to this. Let me tell you something. There's a cause for closeness. Don't settle for easily. Go after godly. Go after godly. And very often, it looks different than easy. Easy is easy. It's very easy to sit on the couch, right? And just like, I hear everybody talking about like hearing from the Lord. I, I can't hear from the Lord. Why don't I hear from the Lord? Well, I think there's some reasons. And we'll talk about that in just a second. But Paul literally bound by the Spirit, bound, a, a, a closeness. It's my earnest hope and my expectation. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. He who began a good work in me is faithful to complete it on the day of Jesus' return, right? He understood it. He was able to write all this even as he's journeying to Jerusalem. And people are like, oh, that's not good over there. And you're like, how do you know? How do you know what's good? We don't know what's good and bad for us. God knows what's good and bad for us. So sometimes we pray things like, God, make my friend comfortable. Give him comfort, but I don't know about making him comfortable. Because I think the Lord is stretching in this season. And stretching is not comfortable. Right? It's going gonna, it's gonna to cost you something. It's going to cost you something. Verse 14 said, And since he would not be persuaded, we ceased and said, Let the will of the Lord be done. Let the will of the Lord be done. It's, it's an important. This, this is huge. And, and so I want to ask you, church, I want to ask you, how important is the will of God in your life? Only you can answer that question. I can't answer it for you. Your family can't answer it. 
You're either gonna you're gonna do what you want to do, or you're gonna do what He wants you to do. And and I just said it just a minute ago. You don't know what's best for you, probably, unless you are linked up totally with the Holy Spirit. But God knows exactly what's best for you and for the kingdom work. This is why Paul was able to do this. But there is 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 there a striving in your life to hear to know the will of God? Is is there? I, I don't know how how important. And maybe you're not maybe you're not trying enough, and you're like. As I said a few seconds ago, like, I, I, I can't hear the How can you hear the voice of God? Well, I've never heard the audible voice of God, but I feel his leading all the time. Well, I, mean, I, I don't feel the leading. Well, turn off Netflix. Turn off Prime and Paramount and YouTube and every other thing that we waste time on and hours and hours and hours. No wonder you can't hear the voice of God. You've got everything else in your ear. Listen to this. This is a hard statement, but it's true. Every person is either doing God's will or they're going against it. That's it. That's it. And all who do not do the will of God are living in sin. You're living in sin. It's that clear. You get to decide. So, so what do I do? So what, maybe you're sitting here saying, like, I don't even know what you're talking about, bro. I don't, know, I don't know what that means. You're talking about the will of God. I don't know what that means. I'm so, I'm so glad you're here. You can find out. You can find out what God wants you to do today. I believe that. I believe he, he will show you that. But there are some things that you got to do. One is you got to want it. Holy Spirit isn't going to, he's not going to come step on your head and force you. He'll deposit into you. If you ask for it, he'll impart into you his grace and his mercy and his truth and his clarity and the vision and the conviction that you need to get forward. But you got to want it. You got to desire the will of God. It can be given. But listen to this. Once you know it, if you know it, you spend some time with him and you fast. Well, what if I get hungry? What if you do? I was joking the other day with my daughter on the phone. Most of you know she's in Missouri at school. I was talking to her and I was like halfway joking. We don't cook a lot anymore because it's not worth it because it's just me and Janet and she's playing pickleball. And so I was like talking to Grace. I'm like, babe, I'm, I'm over here starving to death. And then I just heard from the background and yet not one ounce was lost. <laughs> Say, get thee behind me, Satan. You know that? <laughs> she's always looking out for my best keep sending mangoes people we're gonna living on mangoes <laughs> gotta want it but he'll he'll deposit it into you it's gonna cost you something but it really won't cost you anything that doesn't matter a whole lot it'll, you'll get to keep what matters most but now he deposits into you god i really want to i really want to know what you what you want from me and and so I'll, I'll put away food and I might get hungry a bit because I'm, I just want you to speak to me and I believe he'll speak to you in those moments. And so he, he does that work. And so now he, let's say he deposits. I know what you, I know what I'm supposed to do today. And, I, and again, today is enough. Today's enough. There's enough work to be done today. And so, okay, I know, now I know. But, but knowing the will of God is not enough. Now that you know, you're responsible to do <laughs> the will of God. Don't just be hearers of the word, but be. See, you already know. You're gospel people. Know the will of God. Do the will of God. 15 says, after these days we got ready, we went up to Jerusalem. 
And I think Paul had some motives there. He also wanted to bring some money. There was a gift from some different places. And verse 16 tells us that and some of the disciples from Caesarea went with us, bringing us to the house of Nason and Cyprus, an early disciple with whom we should lodge. Stand with me real quick, if you don't mind. Talk to you just a couple more minutes. I don't know where you're at in your life. If the Lord shows me, I'll be happy to talk about it. If you want to come talk about it, I'll be happy to pray with you about it. I can't wait to do that. I, I love that. When some people, people come in and talk to me and just say, how, like, how can you? And I'm like, man, I'm just going to journey with you. The Lord's going to speak to you. I believe that. I believe he's going to open up our ears to the things that he wants us to, to hear and our eyes to the things that he wants us to see. But there's got to be obedience. There's got to be a movement. There's got to be application to what he's saying in this next season. How many want to know the will of God for your life? Come on. Yeah, that's what I thought. And it's, it's like we're, we're, we're screaming out for clarity in a loud environment. Even as I'm trying to talk to you right now, it's louder. <laughs> That's what the, the world is like. It's just noisy and God hasn't stopped speaking. He's speaking. He, he did that once in between the Old and New Testament. He's not doing that anymore. He's alive and well. The Holy Spirit is speaking. The eyes of the Lord are searching the earth, looking for a heart who's completely His. Spot your heads with me. so good to us. You gotta want it, church. God has never stiff-armed anybody. He just wants to wrap you up in his arms of love. It's we're the ones that resist that. We're the ones that push back and say, not today. All he wants to do is just wrap you up and love and show you and direct you. Holy Spirit, just deposit into us a deeper understanding of how much you love us, how high and long and wide is your love. We need your help, Holy Spirit, even to understand that. Even to just get a glimpse of how much you love us. And sometimes that love is correcting you. You tell us in your word, you, you love, you discipline. 
always to make us better, more like you. God, we're sorry when we have made a mess of things. We're sorry when we have plugged our ears with nonsense, filled our, our, our houses and our cars with just nonsense noise. Holy Spirit, bring a clarity in this room today, in the hearts and the minds of all these people. Again, show us how much you love us. Help us to get it. asking for you to direct us. Show us your will, Lord. Show us your will. Today's enough, God. Fresh vision, fresh hope, fresh direction. We're going to go with you forever, Lord. We're not turning back. We're resolute, finished, we're going. Wherever you have us, Jerusalem, Homestead, South Florida, wherever you're at, we're going, God. No matter what awaits us, we are resolute. You're going to take care of us. Good days, bad days, I got the comfort of the Holy Spirit no matter what. We love you, Lord. We trust you. We know it's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it. We believe in our hearts and confess with our mouth that you're Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving us. Be the Lord. Run the show. Have your way. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen and amen. Can we put our hands together for the word of God, church? Hang on tight real quick. I want to do uh, one thing. Um, man, I'm so excited for these guys. How many of you excited for these guys over here? Here's what I'm going to ask you. To, just to remind me, I'm going to ask you guys to go ahead and make your way out. We want to get them set up. Pastor Mike's going to lead you out the door there. So everybody just hang tight. Let them get out there. It's raining, so hang out a little bit. Um, we're going to pray our benediction in just a second. High schoolers, get signed up for camp. Don't be a terrible register. <laughs> Don't wait. Get signed up today. Get signed up for a connect group. There's some amazing things happen. We're just, we're just learning the Bible together. And uh, in just a minute, we're going to hang out with these guys, stay and celebrate. It's going to take a while, so maybe you don't want to watch the whole thing. And maybe if you hang out long enough, Mario's will be empty, Casavana's will be empty, and you'll be able to get in there without too much of a wait. Uh, but it's always going to be good to celebrate these guys. I love you guys more than you can imagine. More than you can imagine, a supernatural, holy love from God, and it's exciting. We always pray a benediction here, Psalm 1914. Let's really pray it with some umph, and then we'll be out there in just a couple minutes. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Love you, God. See you soon.